Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Late Night Drives podcast. We are discussing the US GP that took place at the Circuit of Americas in Austin. Uh, we have Sukriti here to help unpack what was quite an exciting race from pretty much start to finish, Sukriti. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it started with the one hell of uh, a lap one and a lap two, and um, we we got like much more action than any of us expected or uh, hoped from this weekend. Yeah. So, what was your moment of this uh, race, Sukriti? I I feel like. Uh, there were several to contend with and I- I'm grappling between one or two, but I- I'd love to hear your thoughts on that first. <laughs> uh, so for me, I think that start uh, with Max and Lewis giving it absolutely everything and uh, Lewis uh, getting a better start uh, than Max for, uh, uh, you know, like for once compared to the rest of the season and actually managing to take the lead uh, going, uh, going in. And um, the second lap with Norris, uh, Daniel and Sainz, going side by side and seeing McLaren and Ferrari uh, race uh, with everything they've got to you know sort of seal that third place in the constructors that for me was probably uh, my moment of the race watching them uh, race so closely uh, I feel like the start was unexpectedly clean uh, for me at least unexpectedly clean and both uh, Hamilton and Verstappen both drove really hard into the first couple of corners and it was a clean move by Hamilton and Verstappen couldn't really do anything till a later later on in the race. Yeah, and what did you think of uh, Sainz and uh, Norris and uh, Danny in the thick of it? So, uh, I feel like that was really, again, clean racing, I think, uh, between all three drivers. Uh, I think Norris having the uh, presence of mind to back out of uh, that fight because yeah. he knew he would probably take out like two or three drivers. Uh, uh, if he actually went for that move but uh, like these moves actually bring up my next point quite nicely which was at the end of the day science had to give one place back he gave it back to the wrong driver yeah uh, you know because he overtook uh, he gained an advantage by leaving the track right and uh, so he gave it back except it was to the uh, teammate of Norris right? yeah. uh, who he gave it back to so he had to give one more position back to Norris a little later on in the race and then you know he had to make that overtaking move again mm-hmm. uh, this actually kind of preempted what uh, happened in the rest of the race which was Alonso making moves uh, outside of the track limits I think it started off with Alonso trying to Raikkonen. make a move on Raikkonen uh, in turn 1 and 2 if I'm not mistaken uh, where he pushed Raikkonen out, out, out of the track and Raikkonen basically held his line and kept the position and so he got furious wondering how uh, Raikkonen was allowed to hold that place so when he had to overtake Giovinazzi he kind of went 30 meters too deep went off track came back onto the track, gained an advantage that way and gained the position but was asked to give it back. Giovinazzi tried the same thing in the next lap and you know it was the same situation where he was asked to give it back, no questions asked. So this kind of brings up a whole question on track limits and what what are your points of views on on, on this whole uh, situation of track limits? And um, So it, it was hugely entertaining uh, to start off with. Uh, do I think the FIA was um, right in what they said in terms of saying that yeah, um, Fernando had to give that place back to Giovinazzi because he left the track? Yeah, because he very clearly left the track. He wasn't forced off 
the track in any way by Giovinazzi. And in the same way, when Giovinazzi tried to do the same thing, he claimed that no, no, Fernando has pushed me off the track. But that wasn't really the case. So then he had to give the place back to Fernando. So, um, so I, I do think that uh, for once the FIA has acted uh, with some level of sanity when it comes to uh, track limits, and, and and they've not just gone out and handed penalties and penalties and penalties. And um, is it is it confusing that okay, why uh, was was Raikkonen not supposed to give this place back? Perhaps, but then um, he was also pushed off the track. He didn't leave the track to gain an advantage. Yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, uh, Fernando Alonso for the last few races has been harping on about how he wants clarity on the rules and, you know, how uh, uh, there are certain situations or drivers who are taking advantage of uh, or getting away with, uh, yeah. you know, breaking the, uh, yeah, infri- infringing on the rules. but. I think for the first time, like you very clearly said, the FIA has taken a very practical approach to uh, what was actually happening, where they took each incident as an isolated incident and didn't say because, oh, we gave a penalty there, we have to give a penalty in the next incident as well. So I think that was uh, a huge win, I think, for Formula One, where this was one race where the FIA was absolutely bang on in its rulings uh, for the on-track incidents. Absolutely. Um, although uh, that uh, that call with uh, Alpine and Michael Massey uh, was was just uh, the the amount of sass in it, where uh, uh, Alpine just refused to accept that uh, if uh, you know people aren't allowed to leave the track and gain a position, how come only Raikkonen's allowed to do it? Uh, yeah, that, that was. I, I think everybody's talking about the sass that Alpine showed. I actually want to discuss the resignation in Michael Massey's voice in answering those questions. I mean, uh, we heard in the post-race interviews that the drivers were very clearly told about track limits and reminded of that again in the uh, in in their drivers' briefings before the race. So. I think that resignation kind of showed in Michael Massey's voice that okay, this is what I have to deal with like for the rest of the race and you know even post race because Alonso is not a driver who's going to take things lying down, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that was hilarious um, uh, as well. I, I think Alpine generally not having the greatest of weekends, both uh, drivers ending up uh, retiring. retiring the cars, right? Despite uh, all their on track action, but uh, yeah. Uh, coming to the rest of the race, uh, I feel like um, a large part of what made this race really exciting was the different uh, strategies and the fact that after a long time, uh, uh, actually after a, a few races at least, uh, we are having multiple pit stops uh, from each driver in, in a race. It, it's not simply a one stop or like Esteban Ocon did last race, a zero stop race. Yeah. Uh, so it actually helped kind of... Um, you know, mix up the strategies of the teams and uh, of course we had that exciting finish where Hamilton was on eight eight lap fresher tyres and you know, trying to chasing. Uh, get and overtake uh, Verstappen. Uh, what are your thoughts on the strategies that played out was, uh, uh, like, did Mercedes lose out by not reacting quicker to Verstappen's undercut after gaining the lead on the first corner? Um, I think, you know, in Norm, with hindsight and seeing how the race ended up, it's very easy to say, sure, a Mercedes should have reacted uh, a lap sooner. 
you know the first pit stop i think max pitted on uh, lap 11 and then lap 12 uh, i mean towards the end of lap 11 itself he he got onto the radio and um, told red bull like what are you doing use uh, checo to make to force hamilton into pitting and uh, uh, checo pitted on lap 12 and uh, oh sorry on lap 13 and um, hamilton pitted on lap 14 so in that sense if we talk about it um, how much sooner could they have should they have gone and pitted on lap 12 itself the minute verstappen went into the pits on lap 11 yeah with hindsight you can say that um but um was it the wrong call i don't know i actually think their uh, decision to go target plus 6 or 7 for the second pit stop perhaps was was a a a a worse call than the first one uh, i feel like if hamilton had like a couple of more laps in hand like like after his second pit stop mercedes came onto the radio and said that it's going to come down to the last three laps and it did they are that good with uh, you know their predicting their yeah, strategies and stuff absolutely. right absolutely so um perhaps they felt that three laps was enough for lewis to get ahead uh, to to get within drs and to actually make the move and get ahead of max and hold on to that move um had they not done target plus 6 and target plus 7 or whatever it was that they ultimately did and maybe did target plus 4 and he had like five laps in hand to get ahead of uh, max i think that would have made the difference more than that first pit stop so i think this is one of those races where uh, mercedes uh, wasn't making decisions on the fly you know like we've seen mercedes make good quick decisions reacting to other drivers and what they've been doing I think they sort of had a different strategy and went a different direction than uh, perhaps like Red Bull, where Red Bull went for the traditional undercut and honestly it worked for them, right? It it really worked uh, uh, and they had their advantage. But I think Mercedes was trying something different, trying not to be as reactive and trying to like stick to their guns, which is probably why they said, okay, you know, we'll. stick to that plus 6 we have the faith in the driver he's done it before where he's pulled out a second a lap yeah. uh, and overtaken verstappen on like the last lap or whatever it was um but yeah i, I think that's my uh, uh, point of view on those I, on the strategy uh, yeah i also think that you know when you're when you're uh, the hunter and you're not in the lead um a decision like an undercut and a overcut is easier to make than when you're actually in the lead definitely uh, so when you are when with hamilton taking the lead on lap 1 itself i'm sure they had a strategy in place for if he had the lead and if he didn't have the lead right and um we've seen before that hamilton hasn't um been too keen to come into the pits too early that's what's happened in the last two races where they've argued over the radio where he said that look i had performance left don't bring me in so perhaps that's also gone into their um that's been a factor in their decision making for like keeping him out for target plus 6 i think even during the first round of pit stops uh, when uh, verstappen pitted on lap 11 uh, hamilton soon after came on to the radio saying that look tires my tires are, are okay right yeah. like i i am pretty comfortable my performance is right there so perhaps that's why they like went one lap more uh, beyond that and they saw that uh, He was managing his tires decently. He still had his pace. So in the second round of pit stops, maybe, like you said, they just had that uh, faith in the driver, and you know, yeah. had that feeling that he would go uh, longer. But uh, yeah, uh, Ferrari also. Speaking of strategy, Ferrari also sort of made the most of 
starting on the wrong tire with signs which is uh, uh, on the soft tire uh, after their qualifying except they messed it up again in the pit stops with him yeah this is the second race in a row where mercedes is uh, where uh, ferrari has messed up uh, signs pit stop he had an 8 second pit stop in other uh, turkish uh, uh, race where he started from the back of the grid and actually ended up finishing 8th would have probably could have finished higher in 5th or 6th if it hadn't been for an 8 second pit stop and uh, they've done it again uh, with a 5 5.2 second pit and stop and it clearly lost him a position to ricciardo i mean he yeah. was in such a good position to undercut ricciardo and you know he was definitely much quicker than ricciardo all race long except uh who said it i, I think it was uh, mare walker who said it's one thing to catch up to a driver it's a whole other thing to pass them yeah so yeah there was just the sciences race pretty much done stuck behind ricardo uh, because he just couldn't get past uh but yeah speaking of uh, M- uh, mclarens and ferraris and even mercedes for that matter there been a lot of technical updates that have come in uh in the last few races right particularly with ferrari particularly with mercedes and i think uh let's Uh, let's get into both those teams and their technical developments so ferrari had a engine upgrade and that was clearly paying dividends now they were one of the few teams who were continuing to develop their car for this, for this year. year and next year simultaneously i think they have the bandwidth and the uh, uh, financials to do that right uh, so they clearly seem to have an advantage from the turkish grand prix over mclaren yeah in their fight for yeah. third place with yeah. the, uh, with mclaren definitely uh but yeah the more interesting thing was uh, of course uh, mercedes's whole rear suspension and their lowering of the ride height on the straights but that kind of never really uh, came to fruition and the advantage never really came to fruition this yeah. uh, this race i think a lot was made of it in uh, in the first practice and everyone was talking about the fact that mercedes was almost a second up yeah uh, over red bull but um uh, you know whether they had to tweak it to suit the circuit or whether red bulls um was uh, sandbagging and they are, they are that good with their setup of the car every weekend that advantage uh, was pretty much done with by the time uh, third practice and qualifying uh, came along so yeah i think that advantage was there in turkey because of the long straights and uh, mercedes clearly had a significantly uh, higher top speed in both in both races but yeah. that impacted the turkish grand prix a lot, lot more uh, than it did here uh, and uh, yeah like you said i think uh, generally the red bull was the quicker car this weekend uh, the red know. bulls win the quicker car all year round pretty Let's, much yeah uh, I, i don't know why at this point it's a surprise to anybody that red bull is the is the quicker car i i would say that for you know right from testing uh, except for a handful of races in the beginning uh, the red bull has been the quicker car on track Yeah and it certainly doesn't help that Mercedes is having engine troubles yeah. and reliability issues for the first time I think in the uh, entire hybrid era right yeah. Yeah. and you know with uh, Bottas taking the penalties uh, for uh, changing yet another engine uh, who knows what's going to happen in the next few races if Hamilton's going to actually end up having to take penalties again, again. Uh, for changing his engine what are your thoughts on that like uh, 
I would hate if this uh, championship fight, like this fantastic championship fight that we're getting to see uh, every single race, I would hate if it came down to a DNF or to an engine penalty. I want both of them to be, uh, you know, qualifying in the top three, top four. I want them to be racing each other every single weekend. Uh, I want it to go down to the absolute last race and the last lap. Uh, you know, uh, so um, if it did come down to uh, another uh, DNF or an engine penalty, I think that would be terrible. And given that um, Brazil is is coming up and there's another sprint there, I'm hoping it's a clean uh, clean weekend and we don't have any DNFs. Uh, but uh, but yeah, but uh, I don't think we can rule out the possibility of uh, an engine penalty for uh, Hamilton. Yeah, no, I wonder how Red Bull's going to react to that. I mean, so far, like you said, they've had a pretty much a better overall, more reliable package all year long. And yeah, they seem to be throwing everything in the kitchen sink at this season. And I do agree with you and I hope that it goes down to the wire and the last race. Because this season has been a really exciting one after a very long time. So, uh, Verstappen was voted the driver of the day by the fans. Uh, it was a really close fight actually between Verstappen and Hamilton, yeah. even in the driver of the day vote. Uh, who was your driver of the day? Uh, uh, I mean, if it was different from uh, the fans vote. Um, so, um, I have to say that for Perez to not have uh, uh, the drink, uh, and get through this race uh, and um, sit comfortably in that P3, um, hats off to him. We've seen that when Perez uh, does well in qualifying, he tends to have a bad race and when he does badly in qualifying, he tends to have, have a, a phenomenal good race. race yeah. <laughs> uh, so it, it was really good to see uh, him have a, a strong weekend from start to finish, whether it was a practice sessions, whether it was qualifying, whether uh, it was the race. So for me, his performance uh, this weekend was uh, was just something exemplary. Um, yeah, I tend to agree with you. He he has been quite good for Red Bull this weekend, particularly. Yeah. I think that that helps in his momentum to go for uh, his home. Well, his original home race. This was almost the second home race for Perez yeah. with the amount of support he had. So uh, if I had to pick a driver of the day, it would probably be. Um, Verstappen because I think he managed the race quite well and I think uh, he made a super aggressive strategy from Red Bull work and I don't think he ever felt the pressure uh, so yeah I think he's turning out to be like a really smart canny aware super talented F1 driver and think he has like a phenomenal future in terms of the number of world championships he's going to win. Uh, do I hope that he wins this championship? No, I do hope that Hamilton wins this championship uh, and gets his eighth title. But I mean, I have to give it to the guy. He's been phenomenal for Red Bull and this weekend just showed his, I think, a different side of him almost, you know, not that super aggressive, angry Verstappen that we've seen uh, the rest of the season. I, um, yeah, sure, not the super aggressive angry Verstappen you've seen all season, but then where was the opportunity for him to be so? Was was he ever really under that much of a threat? Did things really not go as per, as per plan? So let's not like commend him for, for that at least. Like, yeah, sure, great drive from him. Yeah. 
um but yeah how come charles uh, sitting in uh, p4 from start to finish by himself oh uh, isn't your driver of the day um, well I, i feel like the driver of the day has to have some kind of uh, uh, action yeah right like i mean having a lonely race from start to finish just cuz I mean okay he drove a phenomenal race to finish no. 25 seconds ahead of Ricciardo I mean it clearly shows that Ferrari has the advantage over McLaren yeah. I don't know how much it was down to his talent of course him pulling out that lap and like qualifying before yeah. right and for the second race in a row finishing uh, in that uh, P4 position but yeah I don't really know how much he did this race weekend of course it was a great race weekend for him like he mentioned after the race but yeah my driver of this day uh, still went to the start speaking of uh, drivers um, of the day i think george russell's uh, start was was something to go from p19 to p14 i wish it had sort of translated into some points uh, for him especially given that we had two alpines and gasly retire uh, opening up an opportunity for that 10th place right but um, that didn't happen yeah i think this was a tough weekend for williams uh, overall cuz i think they've uh, struggled a little bit uh, in these you know changing undulating circuit uh, and you know changing wind condition tracks uh, this year they seem to have a vehicle that is a little more sensitive to wind changes and wind direction changes and that sort of translated again this race with both uh, latifi and russell struggling but Yeah I mean he's just showing his character and metal race on race and I genuinely hope that he has a strong next year with the Mercedes But yeah looking forward then uh, the Mexico GP is up next uh, Sukhdev what are your predictions we come to that place in the podcast where I ask what are your predictions for the next race Um So while Mercedes has um you know a 23 point advantage over Red Bull going into uh, the next race uh Max is 12 points clear of Hamilton and uh, I think it's uh, it's advantage Red Bull for uh, Mexico so I I think they're going to be very strong uh what will it being Perez's uh, home race and that like extra um uh, you know boost that you get from being uh there and uh, Max Uh, Red Bull's pace, uh, the fact that you know um, mentally he's got a twelve-point lead over Hamilton. Um, I think it's uh, it's going to be momentum with Red Bull. Yeah, I think I am. I unfortunately have to agree <laughs> agree with you there. Uh, that I think it is going to be uh, probably a red advantage to Red Bull. Uh, probably uh, the same podium, maybe in the same positions. He's uh, also won the last uh, two times that we raced in Mexico. So. Yeah, I know, and uh, generally, I think the circuit characteristics also suit the Red Bull car a little more than Mercedes. But uh, yeah, let's see what actually ends up happening, and uh, yeah, we look forward to hopefully a close and exciting race uh, again next week. All right, I think that's a, that's about it for this week's podcast. Sukriti, thanks a lot for joining us, and uh, I'm sure we'll see you again uh, on the podcast really soon. Yeah, thank you. So thanks for tuning in, guys, uh, and we hope to see you in the next podcast. And do check out our social media channels. That's Late Night Drives on Twitter and Late Night Drives Podcast on Instagram to keep up with our latest updates. Cheers, guys.